Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, if you're like me, you probably gained about a few pounds here and there that you wish you didn't gain. But anyway, uh, it was a great Thanksgiving for us. I hope it was for you as well. And uh, how many of you have appreciated this series, The Third Person, learning more and more about the Holy Spirit? We have uh, heard so many great things uh, from different ones of you, and I just believe that God is doing something in our hearts as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Um, And so we're going to continue on in this series, but before we do, can we just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today? So would you do this? Would you just put your hands out in front of you like this in a posture to receive, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit We thank you for leading us into truth. We thank you that there is both a spirit balance and a word balance to the Holy Spirit. And so today, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would reveal yourself to us in greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Well, we are going to continue the series. The first week, we talked about uh, who is the Holy Spirit. Who is he? He is our God. He is a person and he is God. And he is our helper. So that's what we talked about in the first week. And then last week, Pastor Johnson came and spoke to us. And he is our best friend. And he is our guide. And so this week, we're going to continue on uh, in this series. And this week, we're going to talk about his character. The character of the Holy Spirit. The things that mark the Holy Spirit. The things that, ex- that uh, in our lives that we can look at that are expressing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the transformation that He has done in our hearts. And so this week we're talking about His character. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, outwardly there's two kinds of expressions of the Holy Spirit. There are His gifts, and there are His fruits. His gifts give us special abilities to do certain things. And every single one of you in here have gifts from the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have gifts. Now turn back to him and say, I want you to share them with us all. (laughs) Every single person has gifts. And these gifts uh, enable us to do certain things. But here's the thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is they don't necessarily signify the state of our heart. They don't necessarily state the condition of our heart. That's why sometimes we can see gifts flowing and and the character of the person doesn't match the gifting of the person. And we're going... What's up with that? It's because the gifts don't necessarily signify the condition of our heart. And then there's the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, by contrast, give us a sure sign of a, transition, a, a transformed character. That's a sure sign of a transformed character. When our hearts or when the fruit of the Holy Spirit are reflected in our lives, this, that you can look at and say... That's where I can see the heart of a person. Their, their fruit is reflective of, a, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit that we're looking for. But when you mix the fruit with the gifts, that is a powerful combination. And that is an irresistible combination. When you see people who step and walk in their giftings, but those giftings are clothed in the fruit of the Holy Spirit... It will change those who come in contact with you. It will challenge them. It will heal them. It will help them. It will encourage them. It will strengthen them. It will do the same for you. It will challenge you. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you as you see both your gifts 
and the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming together, it will be a very powerful thing. But today, we're going to focus on the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. I love this quote from Dallas Willard, who is a, a, this is one of his greatest areas of study, is the fruit of the Spirit. But I love this. He says, when our deepest attitudes and dispositions are those of Jesus, it is because we have learned to let the Holy Spirit foster his life in us. When we see Jesus reflected, it's actually because we've surrendered to the Holy Spirit and allowed him to reflect and foster the, the life of Jesus in us. And therefore, we can express it to other people. Here are the things about gifts. Gifts are given. Fruit is grown. Gifts are given. They're given to us by God. They're given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, we can strengthen them. We can learn how to function in them better. We can grow in, in the way we operate in our gifts. But the gifts are given. And fruit is grown. This is why I believe it, it says, um, when Jesus said, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, I did all of these things in your name. And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. In other words, there may be people who walked in their gifts, but didn't know God. Because the gifts of God are without repentance. In other words, he doesn't change his mind about those gifts. That's found in uh, Romans chapter 11. He gives us gifts and he never changes his mind about those gifts. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is grown inside of us. And the fruit uh, reflects the character of God and it reflects our connection with God. So it reflects his character and our connection. So how do we grow and how do we develop this character in our lives? The way we do that is, number one, is we must choose. We must choose. What kind of fruit do we want to bear? Here's the, here's the question. The question is not, will we bear fruit? The question is, what kind of fruit will we bear? You will bear fruit. Every single one of us in here bears fruit in some way, form, or fashion. It's not, will we? It's, what kind of fruit will we bear? So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20, it says this. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. What, what Jesus is saying to us is, you can look at somebody's life and see the fruit of their life, and you're going to know if that coming from a diseased tree or a healthy tree. Is that coming from a healthy place in our life or a broken place in our life? Is it coming from a clear understanding of who God is, who we are in God and the power we have, or is it coming from a place of brokenness and, a, and an understanding that is, is disconnected from God. Where is it coming from? So when we look at this fruit, there are two kinds of fruit. There's the fruit of the flesh, and then there's the fruit of the spirit. And they contradict one another. They can't both be in our lives. They contradict each other uh, in our lives. So let's turn to Galatians Chapter 5, this is where we hear uh, the fruit of the Spirit laid out. We see this contrast between the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. So let's take a look at it, starting in verse 16. It says, But I say, 
Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do, not, who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Can you see these contrasting fruits? We see the fruits of the flesh. And we named all of these things. And you may go, I don't, I don't know if I land in any of that. You, I guarantee you, if, if we were an unsaved person, you go, yeah, there are things, those things are in my life. If there may be some of those things that you're working out because you have come to know the Lord and you're allowing God to do his work in you and to, and to sanctify you and to align you where you can walk with the Spirit. But we see this life of, and the fruits of the, of the flesh, but then we also see the fruits of the Spirit. And we can just by observation see the contrasting uh, nature of these two fruits. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our life and He wants to work His fruit in us. Only the Holy Spirit. This is not a matter of us doing good. This isn't a matter of us modifying our behavior to reflect the fruits of the Spirit. This is us. It's, in fact, that's a contrary way of thinking about it because we can't produce these things in our life. Only the Holy Spirit can produce them. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of good behavior. So this isn't about behavior modification. This is about the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And when he's had his way, when he's had his way, these things will be reflected in our lives. So these are things we can look at in our lives. When the Holy Spirit fully controls the life of a believer, he produces all of these fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is essential in us developing Christian character. This is a work we need. This isn't something we can will our way towards. This is something we can only yield our way towards. This is something as we connect with God and allow Him to do His work inside of our hearts that it, that it begins to reflect these fruits in our lives of love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, all the different fruits, all the nine of them. These things start flowing out of our lives. So let's take a look at some of these fruits and, and, and how they are broken out 
for us so that we can see how God might use the fruit of the Spirit to help us relate to one another, to relate to Him. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command of all? And he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The second command is like the first. In other words, it's just as important as the first. And the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. The whole desire of God is this. He wants to connect with you. He wants to connect with me. And he wants us to connect with each other. If you were to shake it all down to those, that very part right there, that's what he's saying. Everything else hangs on our ability to connect with God, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to, to connect with each other. He's saying this is the most important thing. Everything else is built on this. Everything. So what he's... What he's God is working with us the whole time as we're, as we're growing in our faith and we're growing in our relationship with God is, I want your connection to be unbroken with me and with others. That's what he's saying to us. So it's God's greatest desire is to be connected to you and to be connected to me. And it's one of the things that our society works so uh, diligently against, not that people are working against it, but just that the, the way our societies are, are set up and the way our society functions, it keeps us so busy that the thing that it breaks in us is our ability to connect with God. Because we have so many other things that we're doing, it's just one of those things we feel like we can do without sometimes. But God wants to connect with us in such a powerful way. In fact, when you look at the first three fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, these are, these are places where, where that kind of fruit reflected in our life is not just reflecting a behavior of love. It's not just being loving. It's not just being a joyful. It's not just being peaceful. It is allowing the person of God to flow through us. Philippians 2 tells us this. It says that, that God is at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is at work in us. It's his work. He's working in our hearts day to day. Every moment of every day. While we're awake and while we're asleep. Jesus sits at the right hand and intercedes for us. There is a work of God that is taking place in us. And here's one of the things that we know. That work even gives us the desire, the scripture says, to do what honors him. It's that work of God in us. It's him having his way in us that gives us the desire to do what honors him. Here's the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. As we reflect the fruit of the Holy Spirit, these first three fruits is really reflective of who God is. God is love. God's not just loving. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 says, um, says, anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It's not just that he is loving that is who he is. It's the makeup. It's the character of our God. He is love. Joy. The scripture tells us in Psalms. It tells us in Nehemiah. It says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is not based on something that's happening around us or something that's happening outside of us and that it's impacting the inside of us. Joy is something that comes from this constant knowing of our connection with God and it is based on the inside and it comes out. It's not something that happens on the outside that works its way in. Something that happens on the inside of us. And peace, 
When you think about peace, this isn't just this feeling of tranquility. This is a peace. This is a a rest that transcends circumstance. Because our peace is not based on what's happening outside of us. Our peace is based on who is living inside of us. You hear me? We're about to enter the Christmas season, my favorite season of the year. I love it. It's, it's, I love the decorations. I love the spirit of Christmas. I love Christmas time. And one of the verses that we talk about during the Christmas season is Isaiah 9, verse 6. It said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the ruler of peace. And so when the presence of the Holy Spirit is in our lives and the work of God is in us and the, and the uh, Holy Spirit is doing this work to yield this fruit, it comes from this place that, uh, from this God that is love, from this place of joy that's not based on circumstances, from this peace that's not coming from the outside in, but it's coming from the presence of the Spirit of the living God living through us. The second grouping of three, the patience and kindness and goodness, this is how we deal with one another. Because we live in Atlanta... We're given daily opportunity to work on our patience. In traffic, as you're driving to work, you're going, God, help me with patience. The other day when I was, the first message that I spoke on, and I kind of rattled off a few of the, the gifts of the Spirit, Sherry said, you know what I thought was so funny? I'm like, what? You know, your wife will tell you the real truth. She goes, you said all the fruits of the Spirit except for patience. <laughs> I said, because I don't like that one. I'm just kidding. I don't really like it, but... <clears throat> but anyway, we get the opportunity to, to walk in patience towards each other. A patience that endures. That endures hardship. That endures affliction. That endures sometimes as misunderstanding one another. Sometimes uh, the, the bumping up against other people. It's a patience that comes in and endures. Uh, and that's the type of patience or long-suffering that God wants us to have towards one another. And just pure kindness. The word kindness here literally means sweetness. We're entering a season where we are so busy. We're going down the list of all the gifts we've got to buy, and we're going from here to here to here to here to here. Just stop. When there's a sweet lady at the cash, at the cash register taking your money, just respond to her with sweetness. Kindness. How are you? When you leave, say, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. It doesn't matter. Just, just say something. Be kind to her. And let the goodness of God just flow through you. Be good to other people. Then the third uh, groupings of the gifts of the Spirit are how we actually conduct ourselves as Christians. Faithfulness. In other words, we have faith that prevails. We show up. We do our part. We show up and meet with God. And we show up and meet with others. We show up. We just show up. 
Sometimes people want to know, what's the greatest key to success? Sometimes it's just showing up. Just show up. Just be there. Be faithful. Be, be someone that others can count on. Be someone that you can count on. Show up to be the full person that you are. The full person that God made you to be. With an open heart. With outreached hands. With a heart to be able to engage with other people and to engage with God. Gentleness of heart and then self-control. Self-control is an interesting one because self-control is not something where it's willpower to control ourselves. Actually, the word it, um, in the English, it's a bad translation, but the word literally in the Greek means lordship. How do we, this Christian character, it's a, it's a reflection of the lordship or spirit strength in us, not self-strength. We've got enough self-help stuff. We need spirit-strengthened stuff. And the Holy Spirit's work in us. He yields these things of love and of joy and of peace, of patience, of goodness and of kindness, faithfulness. Can you see this flowing in your lives? This is how people will know. This is how you will know, is God at work in me? Yes, he's at work in you because these things don't just appear one day. They're things that grow in us. Gifts are given, fruit is grown. So these things grow in us. Maybe you're struggling with it and you're wrestling back and forth with it. It's okay if you're wrestling with it, but is it growing in you? Is it getting stronger in you? Are you seeing the fruits of the Holy Spirit what brings about our transformation into Christ-likeness is our direct personal interaction with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said the first week uh, uh, we talked about He is a person and the Holy Spirit is like a big magnifying glass and He comes and He magnifies Jesus. He turns us to Jesus. It's Him at work in us. It's our interaction with Christ through the Holy Spirit when he comes and he magnifies the Lord and he reflects Jesus it's our ability to see him and to get closer to him it's the Holy Spirit that makes Christ present to us and draws us towards his likeness it's the Holy Spirit that draws us it's not our willpower it's not our, if we just muster up enough strength I can stop doing this and start doing that we can't muster up enough strength we can only receive the work of the Holy Spirit and respond to him. We can respond to him. So the first thing we have to do is we have to choose. What kind of fruit do we want to bear? Fruits of the flesh or fruits of the, of the spirit? Once we've made our choices on that, we must. The second thing is we must deepen our roots. We must deepen our roots or allow our roots to go deep into God. Allow the roots of our heart to go deep. Sherry and I have, uh, and our family have, for years, um, we vacationed in the same place in Florida. And Sherry and I recently were just there, and we were just on a, on a walk. And we were walking around, and there's an orange tree that's along our walk. And sometimes it looks like a normal tree, but this time, I'd never seen it like this before. But literally, the tree was Bending down and, and points of the tree was touching the ground. It was so weighted down with fruit. It was an orange tree. I didn't know it was an orange tree before. But now you see all the fruit of this orange, all these oranges, and it's weighing down. I'm thinking, man, these, this, these limbs are going to break. This tree is going to break. There's so much weight on it. It's, it's bending over. 
But you know what? Not a limb was broken. And here's what I, here's what I found. When we walked by this tree, it wasn't bending over going... It wasn't trying to produce fruit. It was bearing fruit because the tree was healthy. What did Matthew 7 say? What did Jesus say? A healthy tree bears healthy fruit, and it cannot bear bad fruit. So when we walked by that tree, I was just in awe of it because it had so much fruit on it. When people walk by you, do they see you weighed down with the fruit of the Spirit? Do they wonder, has this person got the Holy Spirit working in them? When the Holy Spirit is working and the fruits are evident in our lives, people aren't asking. And when you find people who, are, who, have, who reflect the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you don't see them laboring. You see them resting. They're resting in the work of Christ. They're resting in the work of Christ. They're doing their part to allow themselves to stay connected. So when we, when we go root, when we root ourselves and we allow our, our roots to go deep, we, we want them to be built on certain things. When you think about this as we go through the fall season, we see acorns everywhere. And an acorn, some people see an acorn, they see a decoration, and some people see oak trees. Because inside of that little acorn is a mighty oak. Inside, everything it has need of to become a mighty oak is inside of that acorn. But that acorn, just like our hearts, has to be put in the right environment. And when it's put in the right environment, it grows up into a mighty oak tree. When we put ourselves in the right environment, we grow up and we reflect the fruit of the Spirit. So what is that environment? That environment is water, light, and soil. Water. Ephesians 5 verse 26 says that we have been washed with the water of the word. The word of God washes us. It cleanses us. It cleans us. It reshapes the way we think. It reshapes the, our thought process. It gives us a reflection of the character of God. And as we read the word, we allow the word to read us. And we say, does my heart align with that? And if it doesn't, we say, Holy Spirit, would you do your work to align me? Wash me, cleanse me, clean me, water me. Water my heart. So there's water. There's light. The sunlight comes and it heats up the soil and it heats up the wet uh, soil and the, the, the acorn rots and it allows it to take root and grow up. Jesus is the light of the world. The word of God is a light into our path. We have to let the light shine inside of us. And as we do that, it allows our hearts to grow and our roots to start going down. And then the soil. What is the soil? What is the soil of our life? The soil of our life is God's love for us. When we believe that God loves us, it'll, it, it will, you will open your heart to God and allow the roots of your heart to go down into the soil of love 
from God. I'm going to ask you maybe a silly question, but it's an honest question. I'm not asking you to respond to me. I'm asking you to answer to yourself. Do you really know that God loves you? Do you really believe that he loves you just like you are? You don't need to do anything different. Here's what love means. God is love. And he is agape love, which means unconditional love. God's love for us never changes. It doesn't get stronger and it doesn't get weaker. It is perfected. Our ability in our hearts to let our roots grow deep into the soil of who God is has to start with understanding that God is love and that he loves me. So will you let your roots grow deep? Here's what Ephesians 3 verse 16 through 19 says. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God." It's the Holy Spirit working in your heart out of this limitless place. It's Him drawing you through the love of God to the love of God and allowing our roots to go deep. Uh, Paul was telling us here in Ephesians 3 to allow your roots to be established in His love. So our root system goes deep down, not in good works, but in the love of God. It goes down into the love of God. And the soil of our hearts, the love of God, our roots go deep and they take, they take anchoring. They anchor us. They stabilize us through all of the days that we walk in and out of good situations and bad situations and hard situations and confusing situations and things that bring us joy. They, this love, these roots are not uh, are, are affected by what's going on on the outside. Because they're on the inside of us. They anchor us. Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We are rooted and built up in Him. This word rooted literally means this. To be firmly rooted or fixed into place. Like a tree that is deeply rooted and therefore immovable. When our roots go down into the love of God, we can take on all the elements of life. And we are immovable. Not because of our strength, but because our rootedness is in something that does not change. And that is the love of God. Everything outside of us changes. But the stuff on the inside doesn't have to. 
The stuff on the inside, the rootedness in Christ does not have to change. We must focus on getting healthy, staying connected, and feeding our spirit. So how do we do this? I'm going to share with you some things that are going to be very familiar to you. But before I share them with you, I'm going to ask you to look at them through a different lens. If you look at them through a lens of, if I do these things, God is pleased. And so therefore, I do them to please God. Then I'm going to ask you to shift your thinking into to this. I do these things because they are the source of life for me. They are the things that help my roots grow deep. They are the things that help me connect to God and God to connect to me. These are the reasons I do them. I don't do them to please God. I do them to connect to God. If you don't hear anything from this good old Georgia boy right here is this. You cannot work your way into favor with God. The work of Christ has been done. It is completed. There's nothing we add to it and there's nothing we take away from it. And when we get that understanding that we live from a place of a completed work in God and his work is working through us, it causes us to rest and not strive. So here's, here are some of the things we do to allow our roots to go deep. We read our Bible. I know, we read our Bibles. We're supposed to read our Bibles. Da, 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 da. Why? Why? Why would God want us to read the Bible? Because John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was When you hold a Bible in your hand, have you ever thought, I'm literally holding God in my hand? The scripture is the words of God. They reflect the character of God. They give us instruction. They give us encouragement. They give us healing. The scriptures lead us. They connect us to God. So when we read the scripture... When we're reading it, maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit, as I read the scripture, would you allow the scripture to read me? Because there is a dual thing that's taking place in that, where the scripture is reading us. The second thing we have to do is pray. When we think about praying, so many of us go, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. This isn't about you coming to say a whole bunch of stuff to God. This is about us coming to connect to God, to the heart of God, to the desires of God. To the thoughts of God. So when we pray, there is, there is a bringing your request to God. But there's also a listening to what he might say back to us. So we have a friend. Uh, her name is Mary Jo. And she's written several books on uh, prayer. She's a very close friend of ours. And she has a, this room inside of her house that's called the prayer room. She has totally designated this room. It's, it's got all kinds of stuff that draw you as you read the the stuff that's on the wall or you read pictures or you read different things that she, that she has laying around uh, in that room to decorate it, but it's all to draw us to prayer. And there are people that literally have been invited to come spend time in her prayer room. And so when you get invited to go to Mary Jo's prayer room, that's like a special invitation. It's a really special invitation and she doesn't offer it to everybody, but she does offer it to people that she feels like will appreciate it. And she offers it to older people and she offers it to younger people. Younger people are some of the ones that I see going to her prayer room more than anybody. And inside of her prayer room, there are two chairs. 
There's a praying chair. This is where I come and make my requests and my desires and my prayers known to God. And then there's another chair that literally she'll get up and move over to and sit down in. And it's the listening chair. I don't talk in this chair. I just listen. You remember when Jesus, right before he left, he said, I still have many things I want to say to you. I have many things I want to say to you. But the time was not now. But when the time comes, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you what I say to him and only that. Remember when we talked about that in the very first week? Jesus wants to speak to us. He is still speaking today, but he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And where do we hear that? It's actually literally when we have stopped and taken enough time to listen to what he might have to say to us. I don't care if it's in a prayer room. The reason people like to go to her prayer room is because there is an expectation that I would hear God. There's an expectation when I go in this room, I believe because I'm in here and, I'm, and all, the, all the stuff that's been poured into in this room in the spirit, I believe that I'm going to be the beneficiary of being able to connect to God in a special way here. That's why people go into that room. But can I say this? It doesn't matter what room we're in. God is present everywhere. Literally, I'm telling you. Businessmen and women, before you go into these high-powered meetings where you're going to make massive decisions and you're going to do all this stuff, just walk in the boardroom by yourself and sit down and just say, Holy Spirit, what would you lead me to do today? He'll be your best business partner, I promise you. So we pray, we listen, then we worship. We've reduced worship to what we experienced at the very beginning of the service where there's three songs. We come in and we sing our three songs and some of you are like, oh my gosh, would they stop singing? But it's not about singing songs. That's an expression. It's not the definition of worship. It's an expression of worship. The definition of worship is basically us expressing our love to God. Our adoration, our admiration, our love, our worship, the glorifying of God above every other thing. That's what happens. And so what we do at the beginning of a service, the reason why it's so important to me is because worship in these moments right here has been the most transforming place in my life. It's where I've been able to come broken and push all the stuff back and God heal me. It's where I've been able to come into confused and push all the confusion back and God bring clarity. It's where I've been able to come into the presence of God and express my love to Him and commune with Him and talk to Him and declare who He is and who I am in Him and the power that I have in the kingdom. And when we sing these songs, we're declaring our love, we're expressing our love and we're declaring the truth of who God is. Why is it important? Because it's important for us to do that. And can I tell you, if there's not this and this and this in private, it will never happen in public. But what would happen if it did? What would happen if 
Hundreds of us gather together and we decide this isn't about me today. This is about me glorifying God. This is about me expressing my love to God. I don't care who's around me. I don't care what they think about me. This is between me and God. This may be a public expression, but it's birthed in a private work of worship in our heart. What would happen? Lives will be transformed. That's what will happen. Your life will be transformed. My life will be transformed. And then the last thing, it's not an exhaustive list, but the next thing is to be connected with other believers. What I'm not saying is when you get saved, you should leave all your, your friends that don't know Christ. How are they going to know Christ unless you hang out with them and talk to them and show them the love of God? You don't have to be like them to hang out with them. But you also don't need to abandon them. But it is important that we hang around with other believers. Why? Well, this is what, this is what uh, Hebrews 10 says. Let us, not, let us consider and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Why do we get around other believers? To stir each other up. To love. To love what? To love God and to love each other. Everything's based on that foundation. Why do we get together with other believers? To stir each other up. To spur one another on. To encourage one another. To strengthen one another. To pray for one another. To laugh with one another. To enjoy life with one another. To know that when I go through hardship, I'm not alone. I'm, I have friends that are with me. I have friends that are come and come and believe God with me. They're going to come and, and petition God on my behalf. I have friends who are going to stand with me when it's difficult. I have friends that are going to rejoice with me when it's great. I have friends that are going to be with me to watch my children get married. I have friends that are going to rejoice with me when my children have children and I'm a grandparent. I'm going to have people around that are going to stir me up towards love and good works. That's why we gather here on the weekends. We need it. I need it. You need it. We need some of our interactions. Some of us are... In the door and out the door. And you're missing out on this connection. I want to encourage you. Maybe stop. Introduce yourself to somebody. Make a friend. Show up at a small group. Get to know one another. Come together. I have a friend who was a, he's a, he was a counselor to uh, me. And I was talking to him one day about this connection to God. I was like, some of us connect through worship and prayer and through the word. And he said, yeah, that's true. And he said, um, and I said, I, I normally connect most closely with God through worship. And he said, well, why do you think that is? What counselors do is they ask questions. I don't know. I was hoping you would tell me. <laughs> he said, why do you think that is? I said, I really don't know. Why is that? I can ask a question too. And he said, because it's where you're most present. When it comes to worship, when we come in here and the band starts playing and we start declaring truth and praising God, I'm able for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, I can push everything back. It's just me and God. I don't care what's going on, how difficult it is, whatever's happening, it's my place. And I can be totally present in moments of worship. Where are you present? Where are you most present? My wife, Sherry, when she reads the scripture, she'll come out of her times of reading the Bible 
listen, there are times she goes, I'm just, I'm, there have been a, a few days where she hasn't read it. She's one of those people that actually, in her reading plans, I'm 58 chapters ahead. I'm like, what? I'm 93 chapters behind. What are you talking about? She goes, I'm, I, she goes in, in the scripture. And when she comes out, some of the stuff she shares with me, I'm like, are you kidding? is unbelievable and it reflects the heart of God where are you most present our friend Mary Jo it's in prayer for me it's in worship for Sherry it's in the word where is it for you so here's the thing we can pray we can listen to the Bible um, while we drive our cars but listen that's good let's do that let's keep doing that if you do that if that's where you pray but I would challenge you to set aside a time in a place. You can't be present driving in Atlanta traffic. You can't. Is it wrong to pray while you're driving? Absolutely not. It's probably wise. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's not where you speak to God and you're able to hear him speak back. I'm not saying that he doesn't speak to you in your car. I'm just saying, we need to set aside a place. Set aside a place and a time. This is where our roots grow deep. So we choose, we allow our roots to grow deep, and number three, we abide in him. When we abide in God, here's what John 15 says, abide in me, this is Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, he says, abide in me and I in you, as, a, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We cannot bear fruit separated from Jesus. He says, unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, uh, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch uh, and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and, I, and it will be done. He's saying abide. And basically this word abide basically means to stay. To stay in him. To stay connected to him. To remain in him. Keep your connection solid with Jesus. That's all he's saying. He's saying if you abide in me, you're connected to the vine. And I abide in you. The vine is connected to you. What he's saying is the source of this fruit you are connected to. You are connected to the one that will help you bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't. Remember what we read in, in, in Matthew 7? He says, every tree that bears fruit, um, we, every tree that does not bear fruit, we cut down and we throw it into the fire. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes it away and he burns it. There are parts of our lives that, that we have not connected with God and those things can, can go away, but the things that we need to connect, our heart to the vine, we're saying, I'm connecting to the source so that the fruit can flow. So that the fruit can flow freely. What fruit? Well, if you've chosen the fruit of the Spirit, connected to the vine, that's the fruit that flows from us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that flow from us. And here's the last things that Jesus said. He says, by this, 
by the fruit of the Spirit flowing through your life, reflected in your life, the character of God present in us. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. We are instructed to produce fruit. We are not instructed to produce fruit. But here's what our promise is. We are not instructed to produce fruit. We're instructed to bear fruit. And here's the promise. If we stay connected to him, we will bear much fruit. And by this, the Father will be glorified. I love this last passage I'm going to read today. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, stay connected to my love. And when we are connected to the love of God, the roots of our heart grow deep. And when our roots are healthy, our fruit is present. Would you stand with me? I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in some of our hearts today. But sometimes our ability to hear from God is our willingness to ask a question and sit and listen. There are many things He wants to say to us. So here's the question. I want you just to close your eyes and bow your head. Because I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to many of our hearts right now. And here's the question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? Would you just to listen for a second? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? And if you've heard the Holy Spirit, would you just lift both hands? And as we lift both hands, what we're saying is, thank you, Holy Spirit. As you hear the Holy Spirit, I just want you to lift your hands. And our hands are being lifted in a posture of thanksgiving. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? As you hear him, just lift your hands. Lift your hands high. Let's not be afraid. Hands up all over this room. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us. He wants to say things to us. He wants the fruit of Him to flow through us, His character to flow through us. He wants us to bear much fruit. He's not asking you to will your way. He's saying, I will do it if you will allow me. I want us just to stay in this posture. 
But I am going to ask if you're a part of our ministry team, if you could make your way down to the front. I want us to stay in this posture. Just keep your hands up. If somebody needs to get out, just let them out and keep your hands in this posture. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Some of you need to respond to what the Holy Spirit has said to you. We want to pray for you. Maybe today you don't know Jesus and you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you want to do so. Please step out of your seat. There's no condemnation in that. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you. Step out of your seat and make your way down. Maybe today there are other things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you or talking to you about or maybe you came in carrying some kind of weight and you'd like to just pray. You'd like for somebody to pray for you. Here's what I know. There are hundreds of people in here and there are probably thousands of needs represented in us. And the Holy Spirit is present right now to meet those needs, to touch you, to heal you, to free you, to work on your behalf, whatever the case may be. So if that's you, I want you to step out of your seat. Make your way down and allow somebody. Remember, we're here to spur one another on to love and good works. We're here to pray for one another. We're here to bear one another's burdens. We're here to serve one another by prayer. So if that's you, I want you to step out of your seat and make your way down. Come on. Don't hesitate. Step out of your seat now. Should I go down? Should I not go down? Yes, go. Come. Come. Let's come. Allow somebody to pray for you today. Just allow somebody to stand with you, to pray with you, to petition God on your behalf. If that's you, come on. Whatever your need is, it doesn't matter if it relates to the message or it relates to something else you were just carrying when you came in. Make your way down. We have people here to pray. I want us to lift our hands up again. Now as we lift our hands, Pastor Greg and the team are going to lead us in worship. And let's let our hearts respond. At any point during this song, you want to come forward, we're here. Please step out. There's no need to, to wait or to walk out of here with burdens that you walked in here with. Let us leave them right here. Some of you may just want to kneel down right here. That's fine too. Whatever the case be, let's respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit today. We thank you, Lord.